We know meditation is good. Being mindful is beneficial. Yoga is good. Keeping healthy and doing sports is good. Reading inspiring books is good. And spending time with loved ones also good. But what about doing nothing? What about being quiet? What about silence? You are listening to the Pretzel, the Creative Mornings Munich podcast, and I am your host, Marko Lindgren. We at Creative Mornings Munich organize monthly breakfast talks covering interesting topics in the creative community and life in general. This podcast brings creative inspiration and the stories of our speakers closer to you in your ears. Our guest, Gerald Duncan, talked about the topic silence in the Creative Mornings Munich December 2019 talk at Creative Workshop Cochrea. If you went there to see her talk, you can watch it on the video. Just go to creativemornings.com slash cities slash muc slash talks or just to our show notes. Cheryl is an unapologetic believer in freedom. She left her job in advertising 15 years ago and has since studied yoga in an ashram in India and in New York. She is the founder and creator of the popular living yoga studio in Johannesburg. She moved to Germany in 2012, where she developed a self-mastery coaching system with meditation, mindfulness and yoga as the foundation. She has founded a company called Conscious Consulting and published a book called Magnificently Real. When you first heard that you were supposed to talk about silence, what did you think? Um, I think my initial instinct was to move towards meditation, mindfulness, yoga, getting quiet, going within, because that's my background and that's my training. But I felt somehow that this was too obvious and I wanted to look at it from a different perspective. You started with quoting this uh, uh, Argentinian writer and poet Jorge Luis Borges. Mm. Don't mm. talk unless you improve the silence. What, yes. what, does it, what does it mean to you? Well, I mean, that's an incredibly intimidating sentence, actually, especially given that I talk a lot. My job is predominantly about talking and facilitating. And yeah, so when I read that, I'm just incredibly humbled and suddenly very aware of the importance of speech, of language, of how we contribute to to the world. Um, and I think that certainly there's a lot of noise, a lot of unnecessary noise. And so at the same time, it's incredibly intimidating, but I think it's also extremely important for us to to really internalize. What a beautiful sentence. Yeah. Yeah, um, we also talked that the uh, that the um, people felt that uh, one reason people don't want to be silent is that they feel uncomfortable and, and feel that it's awkward in 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 some way. Uh, <laughs> yes. Why why do you think that is? I think we get so much validation and sense of self of who we are by um, speaking, putting ourselves out there. 
and we seek it. We look for it all the time. I mean, especially in our culture now with social media and expression, we were constantly seeking to be seen, to be heard. And I think that's um, really to be validated. And when that is removed, when that's taken away, when we don't have others to say, yes, you're okay. Yes, I see you. Yes, I hear you. We're sort of lost. We don't really have the internal resources to validate ourselves and to say, okay, well, what is okay? What, what isn't okay? You know, if I don't have you to tell me I'm okay, <laughs> am I okay? And so it forces this in, inward journey and, and that's uncomfortable. We're just simply not accustomed to it. We're not used to it. We're, we're distracted all the time and we have so many opportunities for distraction to take us away from that, that discomfort. Yeah. I think that's certainly part of it. I mean, I think it's so extensive why we're uncomfortable with being with ourselves in silence, but I think that's certainly one aspect of it. That's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then since I'm a, I'm a Finn myself from Finland, so I don't feel being silent uncomfortable at all. So <laughs> it's more like a, it's like a norm. I mean, if you don't have anything, to then shut up. So uh, uh, that Great, might be... I'm moving to Finland. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> So that that, that that leads me to think that maybe there's also some like a cultural differences behind how, how people uh, relate to silence or, or not like constantly pinging each other. I think there's there's something to be said for that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And then another interesting, uh, to me at least, the aspect was that the, but while there's this um, sort of a scareness, people are scared of silence. On the other hand, they are seeking for it, like with meditation and yoga, and you, you yourself are in, in that, that, that area uh, working. Um, people are doing a lot to like force the silence sort of on themselves. Mm. Um, mm. But are we doing enough? Should we feel mm. guilty that we are not like reaching that level of <laughs> silence? Yeah, right. Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, And I think you're right. I think there is a very, very deep need in all of us to retreat, to be quiet, to reflect, to do the work that we need to feed ourselves on this extremely deep level. So I think there are two things happening. There's this deep need for it. So we do seek it out, but yet it's in opposition directly to the other part of ourselves that doesn't want us to do that. Because what does that mean? If we really go inside and look at the deep stuff, oh my goodness, that might mean my relationship has to change. It might mean my job has to change. It might mean that I've been living, I've been wrong up until now. And that's terrifying. So I think we're sort of divided in these two parts of ourselves. Um, and they're in conflict. And often the one wins out because, you know, we just get distracted from it. Or, you know, I don't want to face these difficult decisions um, and yet you're absolutely right there's a deep yearning of the spirit or something deeper in us that says no we have to do this um, and that's why it's such an interesting time at the moment because I think we did we do have this unconscious need to do it and now it's here and yeah it's, yeah. it's causing some chaos <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah. that, that, that's a very good point but but before we go to the uh that uh, situation you're referring now so let's let's uh, have a look at your background and your story so when when you mentioned about uh, like realizing that something is wrong in life so it sounded like you have some personal experience in in, in that uh, direction so uh, originally you come from south africa 
you had a studio there and uh, and uh, and uh, a husband and uh, you were living the time of your life uh, uh, when uh, like you express it in the in the talk so mm. what happened <laughs> exactly what happened <laughs> Um, I think it was exactly that. There was something very, very deep stirring underneath or, or within me that felt there was something more. There was something more to life. There was something deeper I wanted to experience. And I do have a, a tendency to to want to um, experience intensity. I do have a thing for intense experiences, which I always have to keep in check. And I'd done everything I felt that would bring me intensity. Um, and and yet I still couldn't find that sort of inner peace or that feeling of being, okay, I just, I just didn't want to be on this treadmill of always looking for the next exciting thing, the next holiday, the next whatever it is. And, and so I decided to go the opposite direction and say, okay, what if I totally let go of all of that? And, and would that be a different kind of intensity? Um, and the only way I personally could do that, and I don't recommend this necessarily for everybody, the only way I could do it was to really let go of everything, was to go deep. And I went into this 10-day Vipassana meditation, uh, silent retreat, and I started really doing a lot of deep, deep, deep work. Um, and yeah, like, often happens with these things, I realized that there's certain things in my life I had to change, my relationship, my, uh, my job. And, and so I just went for it. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah definitely. So uh, you went to this meditation uh, retreat. What, um, how, how was it? What, what, I mean, if it makes such a big change in, in the way you see life. So what happened there? What, what was the, uh, what caused the change? Well, there's definitely nowhere to run and nowhere to hide. You have to face your your thoughts and your feelings. And, um, you know, it's a, a situation where everything's taken away. There's no phone, no writing, no reading, nothing. And I started noticing what I was preoccupied with. What is, what, what am I concerned with? What are, uh, what are the nature of my thoughts? And how do I want to live? And what do I need to change in order to bring myself closer to what's really important to me? What are my values? Um, and you do, when you're forced into yourself, you do, For certainly for me, I looked at what's really important. What's really important? What is, what's meaningful? When all the stuff is taken away, what, what saves you at the end of the day from an existential complete meltdown? <laughs> so what is basically left, left when everything crumbles down in a way around you? Exactly, exactly, yeah. And, and yeah. Due, due to that, due to that uh, experience, you decided to move to Germany then? No, that came a little bit later. I decided to, you know, it was a weird knock-on effect. As soon as I changed one thing, You know, right. I examined my relationship and realized this is um, not the right person for me at this time. You know, then it just started like all these things changed. Then it was, um, I actually went to America after that for four months to go and do a study for a, a deeper study into yoga. And, you know, that changed things. And then, you know, that changed my job. And so it was just like a knock-on effect. And then the reason I moved to Germany was because then I met somebody else and You know, then 18 months after that, I only moved because, you know, we were in some 
kind of relationship. And so it was just, you know, I shifted one thing and then just was like, <laughs> everything followed after that. So what did it, did it make you happy? No, it made me intensely anxious, miserable, um, worried, regretful. Um, the intensity I was always seeking was full on in my face, but it was necessary because it made me much more fulfilled later when I went through it after, you know, afterwards, it wasn't like, Oh, wow, this is all amazing. It was really hard to make those changes. And, um, I had to really believe in this meaning thing and my purpose and fulfillment to, in order to sustain the difficulty. And now looking back, I'm like, I am so deeply grateful that I had the courage to sustain it and to go through the difficulty because my life is completely different now, extremely purposeful, extremely meaningful. I have a very, very deep internal sense of resilience, uh, which are gifts that I wouldn't, I don't think have gotten unless I'd put myself yeah, into this crisis, if you will. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, another, in your talk, you mentioned that uh, during your meditation uh, retreat, you learned that silence equals boredom like yes. you mentioned that you learn to tolerate boredom and i, I think that's yes. a that's a also a very interesting viewpoint uh what, what what does it mean to you being bored yeah i mean now it's very difficult for me to uh, label it bored because i just don't feel bored but but i think yeah that's right i kind of had to learn how i like how you say um to to tolerate it because that is the thing that came up in the the, the vipassana the meditation which i was like oh my goodness this is so boring um and and then i learned to see the value in that so for me now yeah i'll be bored but i don't see it as that i see it as a way to yeah i see it as really important um that boredom absolutely has a value and there's something in it um If if we can tolerate it and use it somehow, yeah, I did well, learn that. That's right. What what kind of value does it have? I think it's directly related to creativity, for allowing different thoughts. You know, we think the same thoughts over and over every single day, and we think them with the same enthusiasm as if they were new thoughts. The same thing over and over, and when we allow space in our mind and it's not necessarily it's different to meditation meditation is like active concentration you're training the mind for a specific purpose when you allow the mind just to wander around you it's almost like you create the space in your mind for something new a new idea a new thought a new whatever and often i think this is when the insights come certainly from a creative perspective i would say yeah yeah and uh, when Yeah, if you think about uh, this doing nothing or being bored nowadays, uh, like technology has made it almost impossible for us to uh, mm. spend any any silent moment. Um, uh, how how would you see a person could overcome the temptation of checking the phone every every minute? Oh, such a great point. I mean, I see it in myself, especially now at the moment with everything being online. Um, So just little things that I'm doing, I, I have an app that tells me how many hours I'm spending on my phone, which I really like to keep on and monitor it because um, 
and to just use little tricks and devices to, you know, put it away and don't put it in your room. But I'm not such a big fan of uh, managing myself from that perspective. I rather manage my mind. And so what I'm trying to do now and um, just personally is I, I call it creating texture in my life. And I'm looking for things to do that have nothing to do with my phone because even listening to music, you know, it's a button on the phone with the, and I, oh, it's making me crazy. And so I'm looking at um, getting into playing vinyl records, or vinyl, same thing, record player. You know, I ordered a, it's crazy. I ordered a Polaroid camera. Um, you know, I'm looking at even getting like pets. I haven't had a cat for like a thousand years and I'm looking, you know, because I want to engage in the world again that's outside of this um, technology. And I, so I'm looking for me personally, these funny little weird ways to try and create things that are outside of, of the, the phone. And so I'm actually steering away from online courses and certainly from social media and, you know, trying to phone people instead of even video calls because I want to get off the screen. Um, you know, it's obviously, it's very difficult in this time. And that's why I'm kind of busy with this topic at the moment because we're so attached to our devices. It's our connection to the world. I and mean, it's really, really challenging right now. Yeah. It's like you have to put your phone down and smell the roses kind of a exactly. situation. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Really. Okay. Um, then uh, as an <clears throat> introduction to our uh, current situation here, you also mentioned this um, one million air mile traveler, Paiko Ear, and uh, mm. his book, The Art of Stillness. Um, mm. I, I found it very, very interesting personally, because he said something like the, like to the direction that everything you want and everything you need is right in your backyard. Mm. And, and that gets us to this uh, <laughs> coronavirus situation right now, the lockdown. <laughs> yes. It's, uh, we are sort of uh, forced to be bored now. The kids, kids can mm. go uh, out and play and they have to stay home and, and basically have nothing to do. So um, what, what would you say to the uh, people who are suffering boredom during the lockdown? Uh, I would say what a gift what a gift, you know, and to allow that. And I mean, yeah, we first have to, to do it ourselves before we can hope to model it for the kids. And, and so, yeah, see value. And this is really important. See value in sitting down and staring at the wall, you know, lie down. If you're lucky enough to have a garden or a terrace or a balcony, lie down and look at the sky, do nothing do nothing like put the phone down do nothing sit with the kids and stare at the wall and when they say i'm bored you say yes yeah so now what um but it's almost like we're trying to simulate the lives that we had online now you know so now it's still schedule 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 everyone has to be busy um and i think we're just like what how we started this whole session was we're just afraid um, and so, yeah, how, what I would say is what a gift to teach your kids to be bored and how you teach them is you learn how to be bored. Yeah. It's That's part of life being bored. <laughs> yeah. It's like a win-win. Um, do you think that after this, um, crisis is over, do you think that our rhythm will change permanently or, or do people go back to this hasty, uh, checking the phone every minute time? 
Yeah, I don't know. I hope so. I hope that it does change us all in in a positive way, in in a way that will be somehow sustainable. I hope that we don't all get too addicted and completely merged with our phones at the moment because of our only connection. I I sort of hope, and I certainly see for myself, actually. I'm going to want to get more off my phone. I'm going to be appreciate, much more appreciative about tangible, real-life things, human connection, um, nature, things I can touch and smell and feel. Um, so, so that's certainly what I think and hope we all appreciate more um, after this is over. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, you during the talk, you uh, challenged the audience, which was, by, by the way, a very interactive audience. Um, to the uh, five-day challenge of boredom. Uh, did you get any feedback from that challenge? Um, no, actually, but maybe because I didn't check. <laughs> um, I do know that a lot of people um, equated before the talk of, of being silent and sort of bored with walking in nature or being, but there were, but there was still the sense of doing something You know, so there's a very big difference between um, doing nothing. People think lying on your sofa watching Netflix is doing nothing. It's like, no, you're still doing something. You know, or walking in nature is doing nothing. No, you're still doing something. Yeah, so I'm talking. So no, I, I would really like, though, to hear if people did take the challenge up um, and and what the insights were, especially now, because now they really have the opportunity. <laughs> Some, some, some people. Yeah, yeah, some people. It's given like in a golden tray. Okay, so um, then uh, some words about yourself. You have developed that kind of uh, self-mastery system and published uh, a book, Magnificently Real. So uh, you have a company called Conscious Consulting. So what is all that? Yeah, they kind of all merge into one um, under the, the conscious consulting brand. So basically what I do is work with people and organizations to raise consciousness. Um, and I use tools like meditation, mindfulness, yoga. Uh, my book is all about emotional competence. It's basically a book on how to be authentic. But really, I like the word emotional competence, you know, how to feel the feelings, how to react in an appropriate way, because these are all part of being self-mastered. How do we handle um, our emotional world. Um, the art of play and creativity is also in there. So basically, I just looked at my my own experience and thought, okay, what are the tools that really work? Of all the things I've studied and learned and tried, what really works for me and what is sustainable in a modern day culture? You know, people were not living in the in the, the mountains in, in caves. Um, you know, how can we use these tools and this wisdom in a way that is making us happy, sustainable, engaged, inspired, and, and fulfilled and have a sense of meaning. And that's how I created the system. And yeah, and sometimes I work with people just on mindfulness or just on yoga. Um, but obviously my most interesting work is, is where I integrate everything into this, this system, which is very cool, actually. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really cool. So uh, how, how could our listeners get in touch with you if they would like to learn more about this? Um, the best is to just go to my website, CherylDuncan.com, um, because what I do is I design programs specifically for the individual's needs. And that's, there isn't just a blanket, you know, yes, I have a 10-week self-mastery program, which is 
basically what I usually start with. But, you know, some people have very specific needs and organizations have very specific needs. And so I take that into account and basically design a program for whatever they're needing. Yeah. Great. Okay, so mm -hmm. we are coming to an end. But before uh, I let you go, there's a final question, what we ask from our all our guests. So what does creativity mean to you? You know, I think creativity is, should be like breathing. It is part of who we are. It's in every interaction, it could be in every interaction. So for me, it's like a, it blankets everything in our lives. It's not like I take one aspect and say, okay, now I'm going to be creative. I think creativity should be in us, part of us, part of our being, how we move in the world. Um, in expression, whether it's creating art or whether it's just have, sharing a joke with someone. Um, so yeah, I, I really like to see create, people start to see creativity as being very, very, very important and not the last thing on the agenda. <laughs> yeah. If you like what you've heard and you want to help out the podcast, please head over to Apple Podcast and leave us a rating and a review. Say something nice. That would be great. Our thanks to Cheryl Duncan and everyone at the Creative Mornings Munich team. This episode was produced and edited by me, Mark Lindgren, at Huima Production. Our jingle was made by Sasha Ende. Follow us on Twitter at Munich underscore CM and Facebook at CMMUC. Use hashtag the Pretzel Podcast when you tweet about us. <laughs>